0: Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska Podcast. I hope the Word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the Word. We are beginning our journey into the laws of possessing. If you were not here this morning, you realize now that Christianity, for most people, is very dysfunctional. It is only functional in ideology. Ideology wise we're great but functionality of Christianity where you actually have tangible fruit, tangible blessings, tangible miracles, tangible health emotionally, mentally and in all ways is very low for a lot of people. And we have a lot of good talkers and a lot of good actors, but we're looking for tangible things. We want you to have it in your hand and taste it in your mouth. Praise the Lord. So let's begin. In the book of Exodus chapter 2, the children of Israel have been in slavery now for over 430 years, and they get to a point where they can't take it any longer. Everybody say that. I can't take it any longer. Just say that out loud to everybody who runs, I can't take it. So, as we told you this morning, Egypt is the world. Pharaoh is the devil. The taskmasters are the iniquities you're born, for, born with. And all of that stuff in your life, you've got to get out of Egypt. You've got to to get out of being a Egyptian Christian. You gotta get out of that. And our first law of possessing, this is something you have to carry through your entire life as a Christian. And that is found in Exodus 2:22 22 and 23. Because of their bondage, it says, the people began to groan. Can everybody groan? It says they began to sigh. Can everybody sigh? And it says they began to cry. (laughs) Okay? These three sounds are three levels of enough is enough. Praise the Lord. Your first key for obtaining your stuff and getting all your inheritance is you've got to be desperate. There is divine desperation. And the Bible says in Matthew 5.8 that God feeds the hungry. People that are desperate for God get breakthroughs. They get miracles. The one thing Satan wants from you is your hunger and desperation for God. Satan does not want you to stay hungry for God for 20 years. Because if you stay hungry for God for 20 years, you're going to be a really walking powerhouse of miraculous interventions everywhere you go. You literally carry the fire of God with you everywhere you go. If you stay hungry for God, you will not be hungry for the world. If you stay hungry for God, you will not be hungry for the pleasures of the world. If you stay hungry for God, you're not gonna get swept away by another ideology, another religion. You will not become an atheist if you stay hungry for God. You will not become an an agnostic if you stay hungry for God. You will not have an affair if you stay hungry for God. You will not lose your holiness if you stay hungry for God, You will not lose your joy if you stay hungry for God. You will not lose your peace if you stay hungry for God and most of all you will not lose the tangible presence of God On you and with you all day long. Praise God. But you have got to stay hungry for God on your own. It is a choice and it is a decision and it is the first law of possessing. You will possess the things that you're hungry for. Praise God. If you're hungry for something in the flesh, you are going to go after it. And if you're hungry for something in the spirit, you are going to go after it. The problem is becoming a Christian schizophrenic. This is the problem. It's when half of you wants God and half of you wants the world. Your hunger is split. You want Jesus' presence, but you also want to smoke a reefer after services. This can become a problem. Praise the Lord. You want to dance and praise the Lord and feel the power of God but you also would like a little bit of heroin or a little bit of cocaine, or, you, or you, maybe you want to just have a relationship secretly with someone somewhere. Praise God. Listen to my words, listen to my words. This is what I'm about to tell you. Your biggest danger as being a Christian is for Jesus to not be enough. This is your biggest danger. When Jesus is no longer enough for you, you are in so much spiritual trouble. Because now the Bible doesn't, it's not alive, it's not lit up, it's not on fire. You can't, you can go days without it. You can go days without going to church. You can go days without feeling God. You can go days without being in the presence of the Lord because you've lost your hunger and desperation for God. If you lose your hungers, the hunger for God's fellowship, the hunger for God's presence, the hunger for church, the hunger for destiny, the hunger for for functioning in the thing you were created to do. When you lose your hunger for your destiny, that means somebody else's destiny has to take over in your life. Praise God, they that hunger And thirst after righteousness shall be satisfied. Praise God. Look at someone around and say, I need to get hungry for God. You see hungry people, you don't have to tell a hungry person to pray. You don't have to say to a hungry person, hey, when's the last time you prayed? Because they're praying all day. They never stop praying. It is an unbroken conversation with God day and night, you go to bed talking, you wake up talking, you walk around talking, you eat lunch talking, you talk to friends and talk at the same time. It's an unbroken conversation because you're hungry. Anything you're hungry for, you chase. And so Satan's job then is to create things for you to chase. So Satan knows the kind of candy you like. And so he will offer you the candy you want and put it on something and say chase that and you can have that candy. But always remember this about Satan's candy. All of Satan's candy is taxable. You have to pay Satan taxes when you eat his candy. And Satan doesn't want money he wants a piece of you. And you must pay with your soul. So beware of what hungers you cultivate. Beware of what you feed, because it will grow. And beware of what you starve, because it will die. Praise God. Let's all take a praise break on that one and say hallelujah, dear Jesus, help me out. Come on everybody, say dear God, help me out. I'm hungry for God. Come on, say it everybody, I'm hungry for God. Oh Jesus, (laughs) dear God, don't let me lose my desperation for you and my hunger. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul panteth after God. Do you love Jesus that much still? Because that is the secret of getting your stuff. Praise the Lord, you'll carry that all the way. Second key, and I'm giving you seven tonight, seven on Wednesday, the second one is Exodus chapter 12. Everybody's still in Egypt, but this is the way you get out of Egypt. The way you get out of there, out of the world, is you get to the point where you say these words, enough is enough, I can't do this anymore. Praise the Lord. I've had enough. I want God. And you begin to groan and sigh and cry. Praise God. When you do that, the Bible says, God came down and began to deliver the people. See, if you sit there casual-like tonight, a deliverance may not come. But if inside of you, you you are hungry for something, you are desperate for God to do something. This is the first step to breaking chains off of our lives. Would you look at the person next to you and say in the name of Jesus, I break chains off you. Just say that to him, I break chains off you. The second law of possessing is found in Exodus 12. They are still in Egypt, but they're about to get delivered from 430 years of bondage. And the way that they get delivered is God says, I want you to get a lamb. And I want you to get it when it's young. And I want you to let the lamb live with you. Name it. Let it live with you. Just make it a part of the family. And this is what some of them did. They got a lamb, and spotless lamb, without any blemish whatsoever. And they just had that lamb. And then it said, then I want you to kill that lamb, which is a type of Jesus dying on the cross. I want you to kill that lamb, and then I want you to eat that lamb. And I want you to eat the head, and all the entrails, and the feet. I want you to eat it all. Don't leave any of it behind. So our second law of, of possessing is, give me Jesus, and give me more, And more and more. Praise the Lord. Say that to somebody around you. Give me Jesus. If you're going to give me something, give me Jesus. This is the attitude you've got to maintain in order to get your stuff, your inheritance, and all your amazing blessings are all up there in a position, and you're trying to get them in a possession where you can tangibly taste them. You have to say, I'm going to eat Jesus. I'm going to eat the way that he thinks. The brains, I'm going to eat the way Jesus thinks. Well, think about how many people say they're Christians but don't think like God thinks. Now, you can read your Bible or not read your Bible, but in the Bible, it's very clear that you can't kill a a child. You can't kill babies. A Christian cannot kill a baby, nor be a part of killing a baby. A Christian cannot do that. If you believe in the Bible, now you can be a different kind of Christian, an Egyptian. So you think like worldly people think, then you can kill them. You can be a wilderness person and just wander around and not do what God tells you in your conscience because of your peer group. And then you, you honor your peer group and what they think more than what God thinks. Don't hate me and don't get mad at me. I'm not being political, I am being Biblical. You just can't kill a human being inside of a sanctuary. You can't do it. Sure got quiet all of a sudden. But I'm saving your life. Because remember, you don't want blood on your hands of any kind. We rescue children we do not empower people to destroy them. Praise God. Do you know that 80% of the children that are killed today are African-American children? Do you know that that is a diabolical assignment against a beautiful group of people that Satan hates? So. You eat how Jesus thinks, how he thinks. You don't just think the way you want to think. Because God's not interested in your opinion. He actually thinks he's smarter than you are. Because remember, when a person talks like I'm talking and you do not believe what I'm saying, this makes you very uncomfortable in your seat. And if you're sitting in the middle section, it's hard to get out. But remember, sometimes, We protect the lies that we have chosen to cherish. And God will always attack your lies to protect you from judgment. Praise God. Look at somebody and say, I need to think like Jesus. So you eat the brains of Jesus in all areas of life. So Jesus says, hey, I don't want you sleeping around with people you're not married to. But in the churches of today, a lot of that is condoned. It's not a big deal. And in the world, it's certainly condoned. I mean, hardly anybody even gets married anymore. And the philosophy is, how how can you get married to somebody without sleeping with them? You, You don't even know if you're compatible. Well, if you don't sleep with anybody, and then you just sleep with the person you get married to, who knows? You'll never know. You won't be able to say, oh, Bob was better, Joe was better, Eric was better, Mary was better, Sally was better, Joanne was better. To your wife. You won't be able to say that since she's the only one you've ever been with, and he's the only one you've ever been, and God anoints that, then you go, oh my God, this is beautiful. I don't know what so much. Fun. Oh, But listen, everybody. Listen, everybody. Satan's job is to put his brain in your brain. So that when people talk like me, you have to go to war with me. And that's not right. You eat the pieces of Jesus you don't like, not just the pieces of Jesus you do like. Said, eat the insides the way Jesus. Feels the heart he has, compassion, unconditional love for people, unbiased love. A genuine person that's going to get everything they need is unbiased in their love. They do not love Christians more than they love Buddhists. They don't only love straight people. They love homosexuals and they go after homosexuals and they make friends with them. They don't treat them like they're sleazy germs and perverted, wicked, ugly, horrible things. Because if you do that, you keep shrinking your ministry. Pretty soon you can't minister to anybody unless they're like already perfect. Oh, I can minister to you. You don't have any issues. No, Jesus went to the sinner. This is the heart of God. He was a friend of sinners. He was a friend of prostitutes, that's why they came to him and weren't afraid that he would reject them. So here's the thought, God does not condone, he does not condemn, he regenerates. That's what we do. We don't condone, we don't condemn, we regenerate, praise the Lord. Now, you don't have to agree with me, but I'm presenting the Bible to you as it is written. So you've got to determine if you're going to get what God has for you. God is not like, let's make a deal. He doesn't say that. Let's make a deal. Give me 20% of you and I'll give you 100% of me. Keep the 80%. No, no deal. Give me 100%. That's all. Nothing else. Otherwise, keep your free will and do whatever you want. I'll love you unconditionally, and then you live with the choices you've made. Praise the Lord. You're already living with the choices you've made. So maybe if your life is miserable, you should make different choices. It's just an idea. If all the stuff you think now is not blessing you, why don't you just maybe try God's way? God is compassionate. God is loving, God is kind, God is very tolerant, and God is not a racist. You see, there are no races in heaven. So all of the people during the slave years, all of the preachers that had churches in slave years that preached slavery was okay, are all in hell. All of them, every single preacher is in hell. They're all burning in hell because all you need to go to hell is to believe that one color is superior to another color and you are on your way to hell because you don't know God if you think that. You don't even know him. Are you crazy? God is not colorblind. He's color coordinated and that's a whole different thing. It's a whole different thing. He didn't say, I don't see you. He says, no, I see you. Oh, wow, what a beautiful color you are. I made you. You're spectacular. I don't look in the mirror and say, oh, I wish I was something else. I don't say that. I say, all right. I'm just joking. joking. <laughs> Let's all do it. Pretend you're in front of the mirror. Just do it. Come on. Pretend you're in front of the mirror and just. All right. uh, (laughs) You do it really well. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor, you did that too. Too good. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I'm, I'm getting in the flesh. So let me let me back up a little bit. So the second law of possessing then is all of Jesus. Give me everything of Jesus. This will go all with you for the rest of your life. If Jesus is your everything, if he is the center of your life, if Jesus is sitting on the throne of your heart and you are making decisions based on his lordship, your choices are the product of his lordship in your heart. If you're doing that, everything's going to be all right. So think about that, because when God asks you to do something that you don't want to do, this is where lordship comes in. Christianity only works when you obey. It actually doesn't work when you disobey. So simply step back and say, give me your heart, God, because I want to love all the people you love without bias and unconditioned. All the tribalism and all the, the, the groupings of, of types of people, all this is opening the doors for tremendous amounts of judgment. It's not the way that God is. Heaven is not one color or one group of people. You can't, like, go to heaven and say, where are my people? <laughs> you can't, you're not going to go, oh, there's too many Chinese people here. I'm... <laughs> Trust me, you won't find yourself in heaven with that. So, there are severe consequences to not eating the heart of God. And then the feet, which is parts of Jesus, are lamp that make it move. Which means fasting, prayer, sacrificing, being crucified. All these things give your life movement. This is how you attain your inheritance. Law number two. Praise the Lord. Look at somebody and say, I want more of Jesus, more and more and more. Praise God. Give someone a high five and say, that's what I need. We're on number three, which is found in Joshua chapter three, verses 14 and 15 and 16. Here's the third law. You're at the Jordan River now. You, uh, I'm sorry, the third law is one that you learn in the wilderness. And this is the law of learning your lessons. In the wilderness, nobody could get out of the wilderness and think about it like this. Millions went in and only 600,000, millions came out of Egypt, but only about 600,000 or so went into the promised land. Everybody that went into the promised land was 20 years and younger. All the people that came out of Egypt, all of them died going around in circles because they were so stubborn that they would not learn the lesson that God was trying to teach them. If you're going to get your stuff, your inheritance, you've got to learn the lessons that God is trying to teach you. What is God trying to teach you? What is it that he's saying to you? Why do you have strife at home? What is he trying to tell you? Why does your wife get offended at you? Maybe because you won't learn natural hygiene. Your wife is mad at you and doesn't feel that you love her because you smell so bad, because you don't take showers for days and days. You don't change your underwear, possibly for weeks. And you compulsively lie about it. But when she goes to do the laundry, she can't find your underwear anywhere. So she says, hey, I've done four loads of underwear, uh, four loads of laundry for four, four weeks, and I can't find any of your underwear anywhere. So you say, oh, really, is that the source? Well, I'm just, I mean, I'm just asking. Maybe your husband doesn't like you because you're so critical. You complain all day about everybody. And you won't stop it. You won't stop it because you won't learn your lesson. This is the third law. Of possessing your inheritance. You have to learn the lessons that God is trying to teach you. I'm just talking. Hallelujah. Praise God. Raise your hands and say, oh God. I kind of need to pay attention to you. (laughs) What lesson has God been trying to teach you? Maybe to read your Bible with your wife and or with your husband, maybe to pray together. Maybe he's trying to teach you other laws of intimacy. Maybe there's other things. What is going on? Learn your lesson. It's the only way you'll get out of the life of confusion and going around in circles. And every lesson you learn, listen to my words, every lesson you learn contains a piece of your inheritance. Because a lesson learned is an inheritance possessed. Every lesson you learn, you say, okay, I can't actually throw the finger at people anymore. I can't like scream at them as they pass by and say, you motherless goat. Because when you do that, they drive away with your peace. It's, on the, it's in the truck. And they're throwing the finger back at you. It's not a way to have a good day. No, when they do that to you, you simply bless them. Say, hey, bless you. I'm keeping my peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Or you can get out of the car say, come on, (laughs) come on, you can do that, many years ago, when my son was, was uh, younger, Gavin, I I got a, a, somebody almost hit me, or did something, anyway, I was in the flesh, and, uh, and he threw the finger at me and he was right there. I said, what, all right. And I opened the door to go out. And Gavin grabbed me with his little hand. He said, Papa, what are you doing? You're a preacher. <laughs> Preachers don't get in fights in parking lots with strangers they're trying to get to heaven. 12-year-old talking to me, what are you doing? I said, I was just How long will you not learn? Ask that to the person next to you, how long? Say it, how long will you prolong your blessing? How long will you drive your blessing away? How long will you keep it out of your family? How long will you keep it off your children? How long will you bring uh, curses and demons into the house? Praise the Lord. Lesson number uh, number four, very important, found in Numbers 32 and Joshua chapter 3. They are approaching now the promised life. Called the promised land. But this is the promised life. All your inheritance is over there. And that's what you want. Praise the Lord. So there it is. It's all over there. You're at the Jordan River. You've got to cross this river to get in there. This river contains a law of possessing our stuff. The word Jordan means to descend into death. That's what the word Jordan actually means. So a law then of you getting your stuff is called selflessness, dying to yourself. Do you know that every time you die to your flesh and to yourself, that you take a piece of your inheritance and make yourself rich? Do you know that every time you're selfless, instead of saying, well, I would like to go eat here. I would like to do this. I would like to. Instead of letting your children have fights over which restaurant they're going to and literally breeding selfishness and spoiled attitudes, don't let them do that. Say, no, we prefer each other. We serve one another. We wash each other's feet because this is the key that unlocks the treasures of heaven for us being selfish is a curse in this world and in the church praise God tell someone glory to Jesus Jesus. ask this question to your neighbor look at him and say hey how selfish are you (laughs) all right now everybody take a praise break (laughs) How selfish are you? Because that's how poor you will be. That's how poor you will be. Philippians 2, don't do anything out of selfishness or self-interest, but prefer everyone before you. In other words, listen to this. The way you become rich as a Christian is by giving away your wealth. If you want to be rich, be the most generous person you know, and you will never lack any type of wealth. You want to have a lot of money, give a lot of money away, and give it away to the point where it hurts you to do it. If you really want to have a lot of love in your heart, love people who hate you. Be kind to people who are really mean to you. Pray for people who are gossiping about you. This is how you become very wealthy as a man or woman of God. Selflessness. Sacrificing. Giving up your personal time. Inconvenience is the stairway to Christ-likeness. If you're going to be like Jesus, you've got to walk the road of inconvenience. you got to say, okay, I either do my thing for me or I do something for them. When good is in the power of your hand to do, do it. Praise God. If you have $10,000 and you can buy that widow something or that orphan something or pay off something in the church, don't just keep it for yourself. Do it. Because another 10 is coming, another 20, another 30, another 40, maybe 100,000. Just because you gave it without any desire of getting rewarded. When God sees that you don't care if he rewards you, he literally takes his checkbook out and just starts writing you checks. He says, man, I found somebody that I can funnel money through. God is not looking for hoarders And he doesn't ask you to tithe because he needs your money. No, he asks you to tithe so you won't need your money. Look at two people and say, Hala, Hala, this is what I'm talking about. All kinds of good stuff going on this morning. Are you with me? So if you go for a a whole week and never do anything sacrificial, you know you're selfish. And you know that there are no blessings coming to you. You will just be blessing free. But if you are doing things for people constantly, then you're living a very wealthy, rich, blessed life and the presence of the Lord is around you. And it goes with you everywhere you go. Find an orphan, find a widow, find a poor person, find a project, find a job, find something you can do for other people. Use your life to bless people and this will open your inheritance to you and bring it to your door. Selflessness, descending into self-crucifixion lifestyles. Praise God. Because there's going to be days when somebody's going to get your goat so well that you're going to want to hurt them. And at that point, you've got to just stretch your arms out and say, just crucify me. And you, you let Jesus just crucify that in your life. Praise God. Give someone a high five. Say, I'm going to take all my stuff and nobody can take it from me. In Joshua chapter 3, We come to number four. He said to them this, when you're crossing the Jordan, make sure that the ark stays ahead of you. Do not get ahead of the ark because the ark contains the power, the presence and the glory of God and it will clear the enemies out. Don't get ahead of it. So our fourth law of possessing is follow the presence of God. For example, the person drives by, they yell at you, they scream at you, and you scream and yell back, you're not following the presence. The presence is over here praying for them. Praise the Lord. You're sitting in church, somebody gives a great testimony to you in the back thing, and then you decide to invent stories so your testimony is greater. You're not following the presence. Somebody offends you very badly in your family, and instead of getting even with them, you decide you're gonna forgive them and not even mention it to them. You're following the presence, you're following the ark. Follow the ark wherever it goes, and your inheritance will start dropping in your lap piece by piece by piece. Ask yourself this question before you do something Can I do this something? and still follow the presence of God? Can I say this and still follow the presence of God? Can I treat my wife this way and still follow the presence of God? Praise God. Everybody follows something, but you're certainly not gonna get in any kind of trouble when you follow the presence of God. And it it went ahead of them three quarters of a mile ahead and they just followed it. Wherever it went, they went. And as long as they followed the presence, they defeated all their enemies. Praise God. Look at someone around you right now and say, I'll take whatever is in your pocket right now in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Anything you have, anything. Number five. And then I'm going to pray for lots of people. You can leave if you want, but you lost your mind if you do. But anyway, uh, number five, this is very powerful. Joshua 3.10, I will drive out from among you the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Amalekite, the Hittite, the Hivite, the Girgashite, and the Parasite. I will drive them all out. Praise the Lord. The fifth law of possessing what belongs to you and getting the stuff you're supposed to have is you've got to identify your giants and kill them. Now, ladies and gentlemen, as I told you, you were all born sinners. Some of your sin is still active in your life. It's been there your whole life. You can't seem to get rid of it. That's called a giant. It's a bad problem you have you can't get rid of. It's stronger than you, more powerful than you, and you can't just snap your finger and get rid of it. It's a giant. It has a big head. When, I, when we, my wife and I started having children, we, we, as they were growing up, we identified all the giants in my side and her side, one of them being alcohol. And I said, the reason we're not going to drink alcohol is because I come from alcoholics in my family. Violent alcoholics. I actually had to knock out one of them when I was in ninth grade because they came at me to try and hurt me. They weigh 245 pounds. Alcoholic. Alcoholics is a giant in my family. My wife comes from a family full of alcoholics, 10 brothers and sisters. Almost every single one an alcoholic. Parents, total alcoholics. So we said to our children, these are the giants of our family. And we named them all. You can never touch these. If you open this door, rivers of demons come with it. And we said, I I said to my children, my wife said, I have cut the chain. and then we will never reconnect with the giants that are there to kill everything we love. You gotta find your giants and you gotta kill them. Praise the Lord. You gotta tell this to your children. So don't mess around with this because we have our family's full of adulterers, fornicators, murderers. My, my, my actual grandfather was a murderer He's a, he was a barber and was cheating on my grandmother with some lady, and the boyfriend of this lady came to his barber shop, and he and had to run away and escape. Nobody saw him again. So you see, as I'm growing up, I have this un, I don't know where it came from. This violence, this anger and violence inside, but it was my giant trying to make me a murderer. Uncontrollable violence. So I told my family, we don't raise our voices. We don't yell at each other. We don't scream. We don't do anything violent because we're in the peace of God and we are not opening the door to that giant so he can come in and eat us all. Praise God. The problem for some of you, brothers and sisters, is you're living with your giants and you're sleeping with them. You're dreaming with them. And you've got to deal with it now. When you go home with your family, identify those giants. Say, my dad was like this and I'm like this. My mother was like that and I'm like this. And my grandmother was like that and I'm like that. And this is in our family and we can't mess with this. And break it off your children. Break it off you and stop feeding that giant because he's going to turn around when you don't have anything to give him to eat and eat you. So in Joshua 10, 24, Joshua finds the five kings of the giant tribes. They run in a cave. He chases them in there, drags them out and then hangs them all. I studied the names of these giants and this is the names of these giants The first name was the taste of venom in the mouth. That was the name of one of those kings, which takes care of all hate, vengeance, revenge, and murder, and everything under that category. Another one was to wallow in uncleanness, which takes care of all perversions, uncleanness, and all sexual immorality and everything. It's a giant. Another one was to see with twisted eyes which is all the ideologies and beliefs and all the things that are not of God. It's a giant. Another one is the king of terror, which covers all fears, anxieties, and all that. All under there. And, and the last one, very powerful, is the pit of emptiness. The pit of emptiness, which takes care of all loneliness, suicide, and the feelings Of having no one that loves you. That is a giant. And it must be killed. Praise the Lord. Samuel found King Saul. That had spared one of the giant kings. Called Agag. His name means to rage. With uncontrollable violence. And Samuel got a sword. And cut him in pieces. David got some rocks. And killed Goliath which means intimidator, an emotional blackmailer, verbal abuser. And he cut his head off. If you want your stuff, you got to clear out the giants. Come on, everybody. Say it, I'm going to war. Say it, I'm going to war tonight. We're going to war at our house. Enough yelling, screaming, fighting, enough perversion, enough pornography. Clean it out. Clean out the devils. Go home and clean them out. Clean out all the secret sins of your life. Clean them out. Start telling the truth. Praise the Lord. Stop being so solemn and all those kind of things. Get some joy back. Praise the Lord. Say it out loud. I'm killing me some giants. I'm clearing my house out. (laughs) Joshua 14, 12. Joshua says this. This is number six. Joshua says this. He says, I've been fighting giants now for 30 years. I'm 84 years old. But I'm just as strong today as I was when I was 30. And then he says these words. Very beautiful words. Give me my mountain. What does this mean? If you want something... You need to claim it. What do you want? Well, I'd like to have a lovely marriage. Claim it. Claim it. Say, God, I want an anointed marriage. I want a beautiful marriage. I want this much holla, holla and this much this, and this much that, and that much this. Name it. I'd like someone to pay my house off in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise God. That's not a sinful prayer. It's not a selfish prayer. Unless you're going to use the money to get drunk. But everyone should have their home paid off. Look at two people right now and just say, is the Lord speaking to you? Come on, look at somebody and say, is the Lord speaking to you? Is God telling you to pay my house off? Come on, let's keep going on this for a while. Just look around, is the Lord telling you to wipe out the whole thing? And hand it to me. What do you want? What do you want? Well, I'd like all my children to be saved. Then claim it. Verbal claiming is not a sin. It's all over the Bible. You declare, that's my mountain. That's my ministry. That is my anointing. That is my blessing. That is of God. I am not going to live without it. God wants that for my children. God wants that for my grandchildren. God wants that on my family. And I'm claiming, for example, pastor is claiming that the church, the giant church, the monster glory of God church the church where thousands will be saved and healed and delivered. And do you have any doubt that they will? Do you have any doubt that this preacher is not going to get everybody saved? He can in there, healed in ca- delivered in there, chains broken, wounds healed. Do you have any doubt whatsoever that he's going to get up in a building like that and say, Oh, I'd like to give you a thought, a little sermonette, a little thought, one thought. We're only going to have church for 20 minutes. Because I don't want to take your time. No, or is he going to call down the fire of heaven? Thunderballs of heaven? Giant, giant, giant mountains of of power and anointing to come and heal and deliver and set everybody free. So he is claiming that the church will be 100% paid off. Everybody look around and say, holla, holla, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> listen, brothers and sisters, pay off the church house, and God will pay off your house. That's how it works. It's all over the book of Haggai. Pay off God's house, and he'll pay off your house. You'll be, you'll be, your house will be paid off. And listen to what I'm telling you right now. I'm not just saying this. I've seen this happen. I've been doing this 50 years. I'm not practicing Some of you don't know it, but one of your ministries is to pay off people's houses. To literally give people a house. To say, hey, God spoke to me. I bought you a house. You don't have to live in your car. You have three jobs. You're working as hard as you can. Now, you have a lot of children. That's seven. So, praise the Lord. But, you know, We'll work with it as best we can. But here's your house and it's paid off. Don't you know there's some widows in here that would love to have someone come up to them and say, hey, I'm going to make your house payment from now on until it's totally paid off. I'm going to pay it off. Don't tell anybody, but it's done. Don't worry about it. Claim it. What kind of Christian do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? Claim it. Claim it. Well, I would like uh, 17 dealerships. Claim them. What's wrong with that? What sin is there in wanting to be a millionaire or a billionaire and give all the money away? Now, if you keep it all, God's not going to help you. But if He knows you're going to use it to bless people and make dreams come true, I mean, you could be like those guys on... uh, On the internet, they go around giving money away. Thousands of dollars. They just go around house by house. Hey, I'd like to give you $30,000. They have like 20 million people watching them. And they're not even doing anything for God. They're just doing it. Oh, this is working? Okay, I'll do this. But you could have a purpose behind your wealth. Or you could say, oh no, I'm kind of retired. And we live on a certain amount. And that's all we want. And... Leave us alone. The Bible tells me that in your old age, you will still bear fruit. Right. Praise the Lord. So don't use being old as an excuse for not doing anything for God. Don't do that. I'm preaching till I die, and I'm believing God for 100 years of preaching. I want to be, not here, but at the new church at hundred. I want to tell you people something from the law. Let's sing unto the Lord a new song. Come on, you can do it. I'm only doing this because I'm going to really be skinny at that point. Just last one. For those of you sweating, last one. And you can find this in Luke 14, 28. Which one of you, when you're going to build a house, doesn't first count the cost? What do you want? Because it has a price tag. Now, there's a lot of preaching that everything is free. Everything is free as far as salvation goes because you can't buy your way to heaven. You can't save yourself. Jesus did everything to save you. But as a believer, you must understand that there are certain behaviors that are cursed and reap thorns and certain behaviors that are blessed and reap vineyards. This word... Is called work. So who's gonna have the most? The people that work the hardest in obedience to God. Not just the people that work the hardest, because there are a lot of people that work in the flesh, but working in obeying what God tells you. Proverbs 6, go to the ant and observe her ways that she gathers in summer and has plenty in winter. You're not going to have, for example, part of your inheritance is to be skinny. Let's say you believe that. Maybe you don't. Maybe you say, no, it's not. I believe I should be... (laughs) Say what you like. I'm with you. I've been through it all. Holla, holla. However, you can't lose weight by sleeping and eating. We have all tried it. We have all tried killing the calories. All of us, in the name of Jesus, I kill the calories in that cinnamon roll. you wake up and you have to drag your leg because it's a big 10 pounds of shot out of you no you're gonna have to work at obeying which what does this mean intermittent fasting eating seaweed periodically eating food that tastes like cardboard. You just can't have sugar all your life. I mean, eat it as long as you can, but there's gonna come a day, for some of you there's gonna come a day when you're gonna become a zombie eating sugar. You're just... That's what sugar is gonna do to your body. You'll go blind. Eating all those carbs, eventually you won't be able to move. Your arteries are swollen. Your liver is swollen. Your brain is swollen. You're puffed up everywhere. You're... I'm not making fun of anybody. No, 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 no. I am telling you the truth. We can't hide from the truth because some people are living in a place they shouldn't. And that goes for all of us. You have to work at some things. There, or there is a price to pay for the inheritance God already paid for. You have it, you own it. Some of it requires behavioral, uh, divine behavior. With that divine behavior, you access what belongs to you. If you're unhealthy and you start fasting and eating healthy food, It changes everything. Your health all comes back. Everything's great. You get off blood pressure medicine. All of it changes. Because you're simply now obeying, which is another word for work. Lazy people are cursed. That's all there is to it. You have to be able to pray your way